ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for coming this evening. A warm welcome to you for our inaugural ASTA Forum, ARTA Forum event. We hope that you enjoy it. We have here today our main guest, which is His Holiness Bhakti Jerusalem. Vedic worldview. 
As such, it offers perspective that is entirely absent from all other economic analysis. At an entrance of a Hindu temple was sitting a beggar with one arm stretched out, asking for alms. I thank you for indulging me in my long-windedness, but this brings me to Arthur Forum. Arthur Forum is an online community dedicated to connecting entrepreneurs, professionals, business leaders, and bringing to them relevance of ancient wisdom and literature in modern business. Arthur Forum is an independent, not-for-profit initiative. Our aim is to conduct forums for discussion. Like today's, we look forward to your feedback. You haven't come here to listen to me go on. But let me say a few words about our guest. His Holiness Bhakti Chaguswami. He left India in 1970 to, to study in Germany. In fact, he came across Vedic literature whilst in Germany and he returned to India to pursue spiritual life and studied Vedic scriptures. In India, he met Srila Prabhupada, the founder of ISKCON, and he is a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. His Holiness is Deputy Head of Global Governing Body of ISKCON. I would like to thank His Holiness for making time for us. His travel schedule can make most business travelers seem pedestrian. Trust me, I am not exaggerating. His relentless schedule takes him across all continents. His only goal being to speak about spirituality and love for God. This evening, Marat will be conversing with Surinder and he will be representing you to try to delve into the topic and we will seek to understand the topic better. Surinda has been with in the banking industry, I think almost 15 years. He is with HSBC, currently a global engagement head for private banking in HSBC. Sits on European Executive Management Team. Using his love of Sanskrit rituals and Vedic literature, he has a group of over 2,000 bankers who come together regularly to study Vedic economics. Now, to focus on the topic today, minds are like parachutes. They function best when open. So let us take a few deep breaths, open our minds, listen and discuss. Surinder, please take us on a journey with my life. Thank you, very much, um, Before I begin, I really wanted to just very quickly, on behalf of all of us here, uh, thank the owner of this uh, beautiful, heavenly abode, all of us situated in here. Um, you all know Mr. Olu Agarwa in many ways, and I'd just like to point out that I had the fortune of spending the evening with him only last month, where he was awarded the Entrepreneur of the Year Award. So just like to For many people in banking, finance and commerce, especially those who have had the opportunity 
to be somewhat witnessing Anil's progress over the past 15, 20, 30 years. He really is a beacon of example of today's topic. And especially for myself, in my humble beginnings and even where I am now, I want to thank you for being such an illustrious example of so many of us in this country when it comes to matters of spirituality and commerce. So thank you, Anil here. So I just wanted to, you know they say that we should start off with an icebreaker? Yes? Yeah. Especially in countries like this where it's very cold. So I'm going to ask you all now to just get your fingers up. This is a very sacred technique. I do this every time with my clients. And it helps them to sign the checks at the end of it. So I want you to get your hands out. Fingers, everybody, please open. Don't be shy. We're all going to do the same thing together. And literally just shake. Just shake. Shake off all of those handshakes, all those deals you did today, all those redundancies you gave to people, all those bye-byes. Fantastic. And now, if you can just hold your fingers like this. So the forefinger in our culture represents the defense system, the ego. We're going to just subdue this for one moment. And all together, please join in with me. Oh. Thank you. Spirituality and commerce and the world of finance is a topic which I believe most people have their own opinions. And it's a topic which I also believe people live and learn through. However, I think sometimes in trying to grasp the essence of this topic, some of the very basic concepts are not always so clear. So, Your Holiness, I would like to start off just by asking you, just from the outset, some of your views on the definitions of some of the terms that we are discussing here today. So, Your Holiness, the first question I would like to ask you is, if you could, and it's a very difficult question to ask, how would you summarize spirituality? Well, <clears throat> although we are living in a world of matter, and matter by nature is inert, but still we see that some material bodies are not inert but conscious. For example, the sofa is inert matter. This microphone, this table, this room, the wall, the floor, the carpet, all inert matter. Matter by nature is inert. But you and I, we all, although our bodies are made of matter, but we are conscious, we are alive. We are not dead. Matter. Although the body is made of dead matter, but we are conscious. Now what causes that consciousness in this body made of matter? Presence of the soul. Soul makes matter function in a way which is diametrically opposite to the characteristics of So, the soul is non-material, or you can say anti-material. 
therefore it is spiritual. The soul is coming from another reality. Beyond this material nature, there is another reality, the spiritual reality. And the spirit souls are coming from the spiritual reality. So the process of understanding and delving into that spiritual domain is spirituality. Thank you, Maharaj. So my next question would then be, so the premise is that essentially we are not these material things. And we are something which is operating and living within the body. And we all know that to be Atma. It's a very basic concept. Everybody understands the concept of being a soul. So my next question is, is that since we are within this body, I understand from my own readings, um, our lead organizer explained, I have a love of interest of Sanskrit only because I've hardly been to India and it's one of the things that I hold on to to understand my culture and my heritage. I understand from the Sanskrit literatures that there are four main stages or goals of life. And it's described through the word Purushat. Purushat. And amongst the four Purusharthas, there is the concept of, we spoke about earlier, Artha, which means wealth. So I wanted to ask you, what is the connection now between the soul being encaged in a body and then this concept within the Hindu or the Vedic text of Purusharta? What is the purpose of that? What is the relationship? Okay. You see, by nature, the soul is anandamaya or joyful. The soul has three spiritual characteristics. The spiritual domain has three spiritual characteristics. They are known as Sat, Chit, Artha. Sat means eternal. In spiritual domain, everything is eternal. Chit, everything is fully conscious. And everything is full of joy. Whereas this material nature is diametrically opposed to that. The material nature is asat, achetan, and nirananda. In the see, the spiritual domain is eternal. There, everything is eternal. Like everything there didn't have any beginning and will not have any end. Whereas in the material nature, everything is. So asat. Material nature is inert, unconscious. And material nature is niranand, devoid of joy. Not only devoid of joy, the material nature is full of suffering. Right? Okay, see, the spirit souls by nature are joyful, the morning. But in the material nature, he is placed in a situation which is miserable, causing him distress. Irrespective of one's position, no matter whoever he is, how wealthy one is, how famous one is, how powerful one is, everyone is miserable. Now, the scriptures, the Vedic scriptures are giving direction how to lead your life. Now, the material nature is a place of suffering. 
but we want to enjoy. So material, the, the Vedas are giving us a direction. Okay, you want to enjoy in this world of suffering, so how should you enjoy? So the first aspect of that is Dharma. Dharma means the laws given by the Lord. Dharmam to Shakshan, Bhagavad Pranita. The Lord has given the laws and they are called Dharma and when one follows those laws then he acquires Artha or Paiti. Now Paiti in simple words you can say is subtle wealth. What is wealth? Wealth is actually the medium of exchange. Money is a medium of exchange. If you have money, you can fulfill your desire. You have your desire, you want something, and that is a medium of exchange. Now, in the subtle platform, the piety is the real medium of exchange. Like sometimes we see that somebody, without any effort, becomes very wealthy. Practically without any effort. And somebody struggles through his whole life and he can't make his both ends meet. Anybody else? <laughs> so here we have to understand that he has piety. And because of his piety, he has the artha. And when one has artha, then calm, he can fulfill his desires. And in spite of fulfilling all his desires in this material nature, eventually one comes to realize that he is suffering. So then he wonders, why am I suffering? And then he recognizes that this material nature is a place of suffering and this body is a wonderful instrument to receive pain. <laughs> For example, take any part of this body, say your little finger. Consider in how many ways you can inflict pain to this little finger. Now you consider in how many ways you can give pleasure to this little finger. Compared to the, amount, the degree of pain that you can inflict here, the pleasure is practically non-existent. Now that actually applies to every single part of the body. Now what's the conclusion? The body is, an, body is an instrument to receive pain. So now consider, you are in a world of suffering, in a body which is meant for receiving pain. Right? So when one realizes that that's the situation, this is a place of suffering. So he says, what we get out of fear? <laughs> freedom. Freedom. Freedom from this uh, miserable existence. And that is moksha, liberation from this material bondage. So these are called chaturpartas, the four aspects of our life. Dharma, artha, kam, moksha. Then comes the pancham purushartha. The consideration is, Okay, fine. You're getting out of this material nature is the goal of life. Consider a prisoner. When he is in the prison, he thinks, how can I get out of the prison? The goal of his life at that time is to get out of the prison. 
But when he comes out of the prison, his problems don't solve. Doesn't, his problems don't get solved. Now he has to maintain himself, he has to sort of find a way to you know, maintain himself. So, <clears throat> therefore, the liberation or moksha is not the ultimate consideration. Beyond this chaturvarga, there's four aspects. There's a pancham purushartha, the ultimate goal. And that ultimate goal is to surrender to the Lord. Okay, I'll explain why. Why surrender to the Lord? Because that surrender to the Lord is going to solve all our problems. Say, we are a prisoner in a prison. Why he is in prison? Because he committed a crime. What is the crime? He broke the laws given by the king. Now, when he recognizes that he broke the law and that's why he is suffering, then he decides, after realizing, that I'm not going to do that. So he appeals to the king. And the king then says, okay, free him. And then, if he completely surrenders unto the king, and the king, if the king happens to be his own father, then what, does the, what, what happens to him? He is invited to the king's palace and live there as his son. So similarly, this material nature, if it is considered to be like a prison house, whose prison is it? This is the prison of the king of the kings, the supreme personality of Godhead. So our crime is to disregard him, deny him, and revolt against him. Now when we recognize that mystic and surrender unto him, and now that king happens to be our father, God the Father. We are his children. So when we submit ourselves to him, he says, okay, come back home. And what is the home? The abode of the Supreme Personality. Thank you, Sam. Thank you. So what we have done now is we have moved on from the stages of the body, which is uh, which engages the soul, and there was a particular point that I would like to go back on. Um, of course, all of us here are focused on the third, sorry, the second of the five, which is Arata. And the point that I would like to just spend a bit more time focusing upon is the relationship between. When I put my hand up. Some people work really hard and they still don't get anything. And some people just you know, turn up for work late, leave, big bonus, everything just turned out very well. A few of those are here as well, I can admit, especially on my friends in the way I'd say. So I want to focus on the connection between piety and the acquisition of wealth. And there was one point that I would like you to speak on. There's a very interesting passage that I've come across um, during my own studies in the one of the veins called the Atharvavid. It basically says, Shatahastam Samarhara. It says that one should earn wealth with hundreds of hands, but one should give wealth with Sahasrahasta, with thousands of hands. So earn wealth with hundreds of hands and give wealth with thousands of hands. The piety that's accumulated from that, 
how does that connect to the acquisition of wealth? And this notion of charity seems to now take precedence, which helps you gain piety and helps you to gain wealth. So could you please speak a little bit on the notion of piety? Because I think that's something that all of us here want to try to increase our piety accountability. Yeah, good. So in that respect, let's consider that piety is the subtle wealth. And when you have that, you have the opportunity to enjoy or opportunity to fulfill your desires. But while you're fulfilling your desires, you're paying with your piety. So therefore, you have to be careful that your situation is sustainable. <laughs> Don't just keep spending and then become bankrupt one day and then it's all gone. Therefore the consideration is that while you are spending, you keep on earning as well. Right? And that's why, you know, while you are earning with hundred hands, make it a point to give out with thousand hands. Because the more you give, <coughs> the more you get. Piety is something that the more you give, uh, or you can say the spiritual thing is like that. The more you give, the more you get. Like knowledge. By giving, you do not lose. But by giving, you gain. <coughs> Similarly, the piety means the right action. If you spend in the right way, then we, we, instead of exhausting your wealth, you'll be acquiring wealth. So that is the safest situation. And in that respect, I can also want to point out one thing. That, you see, in 1944, in India, there was a massive famine. Massive famine. Many, many people died. But, there was not a single case of stealing or robbing. Not people died, but they wouldn't steal. You know why? Because they knew that if they did something wrong, then they have to pay for that. So that's why, you see, they did not focus their existence only based on their present life. The understanding was very clear that I was here before, I am here now, and I will continue to be here. I will be. Therefore, let me not act in such a way that my future can be affected. And how it is affected? Like, for example, somebody steals. Stealing, what does steal mean? Taking something without paying the price. Yes. Or taking something without the approval of the owner. So I'm taking something without paying the price, thinking that, okay, I gained. But in reality, what is happening? There are higher authorities, they're keeping the record. And they're seeing, okay, you took something without paying 10 pounds. Now you have to pay five or thousand pounds. Now tell me, when one is aware of that, who is going to steal? That's why when the proper understanding is there, the society becomes very ethical, very honest, and very moral. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, 
Anybody here who would like to uh, acquire more wealth than you have now? <laughs> Just me? Anybody else? Oh, thank you. Anyone here with a charity or temple? <laughs> now we've learned the secret. The secret is the more you give, the more you receive. And in that respect, I can also point out that the responsibility of giving becomes broadened or widened higher you go. Higher you go, greater becomes your responsibility to give. Example, and say an ordinary entrepreneur, ordinary businessman, he gives. How does he give? He gives in the form of salary to his employees. He gives tax to the government. And he gives in charity for the welfare of the society. He, everybody is expected, those who are earning, they're expected to give in these three forms, in three ways. But when it comes to the king, you know what is the responsibility of the king's way of giving? King collects tax, just as sun makes water to evaporate. For eight months, the sun makes the water to evaporate. That forms the cloud. And then it comes down in the form of rain. Now what is left for the sun? Does the sun get anything? No. Sun doesn't need it. He, whatever he does, is for the benefit of the society. So that is the responsibility of the real leader. Okay. Thank you, Swamiji. So it's an interesting point because, as you can all see now, we're going through a journey. We're starting from the spiritual platform, localizing it down to the material. In the material platform, we're now coming to a point in our conversation where we are talking about the method of receiving as you give. Now there's a very important episode Marge, which I would like you to elaborate on. And that is, let's now talk and turn our attention to the culture of wealth. Now, of course, all of us here, either we celebrate or we are aware of the story of Diwali. And every year, it is the largest and most uh, popular festival celebrated by those of the Indian culture or those connected to. And what's very interesting is, if I was to summarize in my own very limited ways, you have Sita, the goddess of fortune. While she's with Ram, there's prosperity. And then you have the tyrant Ravan, who steals the goddess of fortune, and unfortunately, we find that instead of prosperity, there is destruction. So from that episode, my personal take is that wealth and the custodians of wealth have to manage it in a cultural way, in a respectful way. So could you please elaborate um, on this point? With wealth, what is the cultural way that we should manage this? How do we respect that, and especially that of others? So, here we have to understand that Whatever we do creates its reaction. And wrong action leads to suffering, and right action leads to enjoyment. Now, 
Who wants to suffer? Everybody wants to enjoy. Therefore, it's very important that people understand what is the right way to do things. Like, as you gave the example of Ravana or, you know, Sita. Now, Ravana is attracted by Sita Devi, who is the Lord's eternal person. She is actually meant for Lord's enjoyment. But what is actually meant for the Lord's enjoyment, if we take that for our enjoyment, that is the inappropriate act. Right? So here the consideration is, then what should be the attitude? What is our relationship with the Lord and His eternal counsel? Our relationship is that He is the Father and she is the Mother. So it is not that we have to disregard wealth. We have to say we don't need it or we don't have anything to do with it. But we have to approach the wealth in the right way. Ravan could steal Sita. Ravan stole Maya Sita, illusory Sita, Similarly, the wealth, when it is taken away from the Lord, is illusory wealth. The illusory wealth, as you mentioned, doesn't, doesn't pick up being in prosperity and joy. It leads to destruction and suffering. So that is the important thing to understand that how wealth should be utilized. It should be utilized with the proper understanding that my father is giving me all these facilities for me to enjoy. With the understanding that I'm coming, this, I'm getting all these from the father. It's all coming from the father. If we do it in the, that understanding, then everything will be perfect. There is, Krishna is not telling that you don't enjoy. Krishna is saying enjoy with the, in the right way. Don't try to enjoy the wrong way because trying to enjoy in a wrong way will lead to suffering. For example, somebody thinks that if I get a lot of money, I'll enjoy it. But he gets the money by robbing a bank. Now, does, as a result of that, does he enjoy that money? Rather, he ends up in a prison suffering. Right? So that is the actual reality. Like, if we do not know how to approach, how to up, make the proper uh, approach to certain action, inappropriate action will be to suffer. Thank you.